Well, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we indeed worship you because of who you are. You are worthy. And we are so glad to be able to gather wherever we find ourselves in front of a screen, uh, making much of you right now. Uh, we celebrate this day of days, this day uh, where we commemorate the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, we thank you for sending him. Uh, we could never have overcome our sin in ourselves or by ourselves, but you, because of your love for us, demonstrated that love in sending Christ to die for us. Thank you for that. Uh, as we uh, go through our service today, I pray that we're all blessed by the things that we learn from your word, that you would lead us to the changes that we need to make and that we'd honor you uh, with uh, what you have uh, to share with us today from your word. But even as we take our offering, God, we want to give so that you might be able to use us to give to others and be a, a ministry to those uh, in our church and in our world. Uh, so we give you this time. Uh, we celebrate you. We worship you. You're worthy and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how great is this? It's another week of being together apart. I love that little phrase, together apart. I, for one, am grateful to be a part of the family of God because uh, no matter where we find ourselves as members of that family, we are always together, even when we're apart. Uh, it is a great day, but some of you might be wondering, well, how can you say that? What's so great about this day? The, the world is in free fall. We are locked in our houses. There's, there's all kinds of things to be sad about, mad about. There's nothing good. Uh, yeah, that stuff's true. Well, life's kind of hard right now. There's lots of difficulties. I'm praying for everything that's going on with the coronavirus to end, for us all to be okay. You should pray that too. But here's the deal. Any day that we get to set aside to commemorate and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ is by definition a great day. Regardless of what's swirling outside of our doors or scrolling across our news feeds, news feeds it's a great day today. So uh, it's such a great day that I've uh, actually donned uh, yet again this uncomfortable suit uh, in, in, in light of the occasion, uh, even though no one's here to merit its wearing, no one's here to say, nice suit, Pastor Mark. Um, I, I do it uh, out of tradition, but I do it because I was brought up to, to, to believe that you're supposed to dress for the occasion. And uh, while I think most of the time God's pretty happy with us just being relaxed, I, I pray that you're relaxed where you are right now. I think this day of all days is worthy of something a little bit more. Quarantine or no, we pull out all the stops when it comes to making much of our resurrected king. So I pray you're well, wherever this is showing up on your screen. And a special welcome to anyone who may be joining us for the first time. If you are, hi, my name is Mark. And uh, if you were here, I'd shake your hand. We might be a few months from that. But uh, um, man, we're so glad to have you here with us today. Uh, I'm going to talk to us today from a couple verses that we can read in our Bibles from a book called The Gospel of John. And we're happy to put that on our screens for you as, uh, as this feed kind of streams. But, but I want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible, to grab it and, and to follow along with us in John chapter 20 as we talk about it today. Like I said, as I was praying, we are at a point in our service where we typically pass some baskets around to take an offering, uh, but being safer at home has made uh, the, pa the basket passing pretty impossible, so we don't need these. So for all who call Bay Life home, uh, if you'd like, uh, we want you to be able right now to give uh, by going to our ho website homepage and clicking the button there and following the prompts. 
Um, let me take this moment just to say thank you to everybody who has uh, continued to give to God's work in this strange season that we're in. Um, he has met all of our needs so far. I trust he will continue to meet our needs. And I just want to uh, thank you so much uh, for being a part of that uh, here at his church. All right, one last thing before I preach. Uh, I know many of you have been joining us these past weeks through our uh, various online offerings. And as such, we'd love to have you pictorially share those moments where you've been connected with us online with the rest of us by posting any snaps of you and or your family to the hashtag, uh, hashtag BayLifeAtHome. Or if, like, you, like me, hashtag scare you, uh, you can send your photos to photos at baylife.org, and uh, that's an email, and we will be happy to post them for you on that hashtag, whatever that means. Well, like we've discussed, this is a special day, a day where we get to join in rejoicing over the greatest of days, I would wager, uh, the day that, that Jesus conquered death and gave forgiveness and life forevermore to all of us who would believe in him. Uh, Jesus acted in humble obedience to the will of God the Father, uh, whose love compelled Jesus to provide for us we, what we could not provide for ourselves. When Jesus said, it is finished on Good Friday, he, he wasn't just referring to his physical life. He, he was marking the moment that all sins were paid for by his death. That, that, that work was finished. He had come to the completion of his mission here on earth. All, all that was left was the good part the stone rolling away, his, his burial clothes being cast aside, his triumphant return to the realm of the living at the dawn of that first Easter morn. Truly, without exaggeration, no greater day, in my belief, has ever been recorded in all of human history. Uh, but we kind of you know, sit in a, in a sweet seat when it comes to reflecting on Easter. We, we can make this claim uh, 2,000 years later because uh, we, we know how the story continues to unfold. Uh, but let's, let's take a moment to reflect on how those early followers woke up on that first Easter morning to a, a very completely different view. They, 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 they didn't think it was a great day at all. Uh, the 11 remaining disciples, Judas had already gone. Um, uh, they, they woke up to a bad day, not a great one. And it had only been a few nights before that they had watched soldiers walk Jesus away into captivity. Um, there in the garden that they were meant to be praying in, uh, the book of Mark tells us that these passionate followers, uh, these, these top fans, these frontline uh, disciples of Jesus, they, they went from being passionate followers to being transformed into panicked fleers. <laughs> Once things got kind of crazy there in Gethsemane. I love this story. It's not often told at Easter, but Mark actually describes in his gospel this anonymous young man. We don't know his name, but he had apparently joined with the other disciples in, in bearing witness to the arrest of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that when one of the soldiers reached out to grab him, he got so freaked out that he actually wiggled out of his clothes and ran from the garden naked. What a crazy scene. What a crazy scene. Things had progressed from that and gotten bad, or from, gone from bad to worse. Uh, most of the guys uh, who had followed Jesus were long since gone when Peter was spotted outside the place where Jesus was being beaten that night. Uh, perhaps you're familiar with the story and you've heard that things didn't go well for him there. Uh, three times he denied even knowing Jesus, and, and then a rooster crowed just like his master had told him it would. And that was the last we heard from Pete that week up, weekend up until his sprint to the tomb on Easter morning, which I'll refer to here in a bit. Well, we should give the Apostle John some credit 
for hanging out the longest. He stood near the cross where Jesus died long enough to be conferred with the responsibility uh, for the mother of Jesus, Mary, uh, as, as Jesus uh, hung from that cross and died. But he too, like the others, eventually made for safer ground in the wake, wake of Christ's death. So uh, that's the day they woke up to, a day that um, had proceeded from all those incredibly horrific and difficult things. And we should be careful not to be too hard on those guys. They, they certainly hadn't signed up for, nor had they expected the outcome that they had gotten. Uh, no matter how many times they had heard Jesus speak of it in his teachings, they, they just couldn't see his death and resurrection uh, as what was awaiting them in their life with him. Uh, it was classic forest for the trees type thinking. Ever been there? You're so consumed with something that you just can't see uh, anything else in life. Uh, they were so consumed with the death of their master that even the signs that he had given them at the beginning of this chapter that we're studying today, like the observance of an empty tomb by Peter and John, they just thought that somebody had stolen the body of Jesus. Uh, or the firsthand account of Mary Magdalene's interaction with the risen Christ. Uh, when she shared that with them, it was of no encouragement to these disciples. Uh, the crucifixion was all that they knew. And it was just too huge for them to get around. Without Jesus, these guys felt profoundly lost. With him gone, uh, they were left without hope. And, and they were trapped, imprisoned by the many fears that welled up inside of them. Um, these 11 who had left everything in life to be with Jesus had unwittingly become like so many of us who currently inhabit our world today from time to time. Now, we live like we're without Jesus, or if you don't know him yet, you, you are living without Jesus. And, and when we live like that, we are lost in darkness without hope and trapped by our fears. That's why these, these two verses that we're going to study today are so awesome. They, they start with the disciples at their very worst, and they end with them in total peace, in full party mode. The only difference, on well, the span of two verses, they go from being without the risen Christ to being in the presence of him. And as it remains to this day, life changes once Jesus enters the room. Now, we get all this from John chapter 20. We'll start in verse 19, uh, where John there details the scene of that first Easter evening. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, <clears throat> the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. Now, we'll get to the good part of this verse, the part where Jesus shows up in just a little bit. But let's start with the first few phrases and just look at those together. Did everybody see where I got all this stuff about being lost and with hope, about being racked with fear? Um, you'll see it as, as we walk through them. And, and here's what I, I want us to understand. I want us to, to, to see what ultimately happens when people are without the presence of Christ in their lives. Check it out. First, we learn that people without Jesus are lost in the dark. It says there in verse 19 that on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, um, behind locked doors and, and uh, because of their fear of the Jews, uh, Jesus appears to them. Now, that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on that word, the evening of that day. I think we'd be missing something here if we failed to note the timing of this gathering. Uh, sure, the disciples could have ventured out earlier in the day, uh, but they chose not to. They chose the cover of night when it was dark uh, to move to this room. 
In the Bible, uh, darkness is a symbol, a uh, symbol of being lost, of, of being wicked. It's, it's emblematic of those who are guilty of sin and destined for the judgment that comes from that. Darkness is where sin leads us and where sin leaves us. It's how the word describes the condition of a heart that's yet to experience the cleansing light of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, throughout the scriptures, God is revealed over and over again as the one who breaks through all kinds of darknesses. On page one, for instance, in Genesis, in his creation work, his first commandment is this, let there be light in the place of the darkness that was over the face of the deep. The, the light of his glory was actually so strong that it kept all of creation bright despite the absence of a sun. That wasn't even created until day four. And, and bright things would stay, at least for a time, now, right up until the humans that he created on day six, those, those that he made in his image to glorify his name and share in his light. It was bright right, right up until they chose instead to glorify themselves. See, in choosing this, they brought in the worst kind of darkness of all, and it settled, settled over all of the world, for sin would leave its mark on all that God had created, and chiefly on us. Now, God definitely could have and rightly should have left us in our darkness, but, but throughout history, we read in the Bible how he mercifully leads, mercifully leads people back to his will by shining his light in their darkness. We see it with the children of Israel as they leave Egypt for the promised land. Uh, they would walk uh, during the nights and God would lead them with a pillar of fire in that darkness. And we certainly see it here in the story of our Savior Jesus Christ. In fact, when it comes time for God to enact this final plan for man's redemption through Christ, he chose to announce the arrival of his son to earth to some shepherds, to just some you know, lowliest, lowest, lowest of the lowly uh, uh, who were watching their flocks. Wait for it. By night. <clears throat> it's out of that darkness uh, that there came this unbelievably good news that a child had been born, a child whose name would be called Jesus, a child born to be our Savior, our Lord, and our light. John, here in his gospel, talks at length about be, uh, Jesus being the light of the world. In, in his first chapter, he says this, in him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, now later in chapter 14, Jesus is going to make this same proclamation about himself. He says, uh, when, when asked by Thomas, hey, uh, uh, you, you say you're going somewhere. We don't know how to get there. How, do we, how will we find the way? Jesus says this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is the life. He doesn't just give life. He is the life. And as the life, he is the light of men. And the light it tells us in John, shines in the darkness. Jesus shines in our darkness. And here's the great, great news. Darkness has not, cannot, and will not ever overcome the light who is Jesus. I was thinking back this week, and I can remember from my seventh grade science class that a lot of things that we see as things aren't really things at all. Here's what I mean. Like cold, not really a thing. It's just the absence of heat. In the same way, um, darkness is just the absence of light. And that's how we should view any life lived without a, the presence of Jesus, who is the light. It's a life lived in spiritual darkness. And so here they are, these disciples, gathering on this first Easter evening, 
Uh, and they find themselves for the first time in three and a half years, separated from their light, who is Jesus. It's no wonder then they're feeling trapped and without hope. That's what we learn next about people who find themselves without the presence of Christ in their lives. People without Jesus will eventually be trapped by their fear. Um, Jesus is the great fear expeller, but when we forget Jesus in the midst of our anxieties, uh, it crushes our faith and it takes us away from the peace that he wants to give us. Look what it says in verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for, uh, were for, for fear of the Jews. Um, these guys were <laughs> uh, not letting people in. Um, they came there cl clandestinely. They, uh, they were careful to close the door and lock it behind them. They, they did all of this because of the fears that they were feeling. Um, these boys had assembled in, in, in some room somewhere. Here's my suspicion. Perhaps it's the same room they had been in nights earlier for the first Lord's Supper. Um, maybe they had leased it on Airbnb for the weekend. I don't know. But uh, there they were practicing their own version. Everybody ready for this? Of social distancing. They had uh, sealed themselves off in a quarantine of their own making for the sake of their own preservation. Uh, but unlike us in the world that we're living in right now, they weren't sequestered because of a virus that was being passed around. They had gone into lockdown because of what they had just witnessed in the horror that was the execution of their Savior and their Master, Jesus Christ. Uh, these men had every reason to fear that the same mob that had gotten to Jesus would soon focus uh, their attentions, their evil intentions, uh, in their direction. Uh, and this had all been just jarringly sudden, kind of like a, a, the shutdown of a nation or a world in the wake of a pandemic. Uh, just a week prior to this meeting in John chapter 20, um, these same men were at the very peak, at the top of their game, uh, riding high on a wave of popularity as they flanked this carpenter who would be king. Uh, they had even argued over the seating arrangement in the throne room that would soon be his, assuming that he, he would soon defeat the, the Romans by some miracle and, and restore Israel uh, to its rightful promised land. And I bet they, they strolled into town that, that Palm Sunday just pinching themselves Things were good in ways they couldn't have begun to fathom uh, as they left their lives as fishermen and tax collectors and joined up with Jesus. But man, what a difference seven days has made. You ever notice that in life? You know, uh, things can be so great, and then in just a, a matter of moments, it can be so just abjectly horrible. Um, these past seven days... Uh, had robbed them of all that they'd hoped for and banked on. Um, they had sacrificed everything to follow this rabbi, but their rabbi was now dead. Uh, to make things even worse, uh, it was their belief that someone had gotten stolen his body from his tomb. They, they assumed that the Romans would actually uh, accuse them or blame them so that they could trump up some idea of his resurrection. So afraid for their lives, these guys had hidden in a room. I picture them pacing back and forth in that room, kind of rubbing their hands, maybe their necks, in despair, debating and disagreeing as to what their next moves should be. You know, current affairs have many in our world in a, in a similar position, I think. And, and so it is that we've uh, had the opportunity to talk quite a bit uh, about fear over the past few weeks. As I've interacted with you, I've been so pleased to hear that most of us are standing in faith in these times, but man, 
It is so hard sometimes to defy fear in the face of so much uncertainty. You know, I'm probably like you. I, I end most of my days, um, you know, going on a, 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 a news station or, or, you know, logging onto the computer and just looking at the tally and where we stand with the numbers who are infected and the numbers who have died. Um, if I'm feeling particularly ambitious, I'll perhaps, you know, scroll through some, some articles on where the economy is not going. And, uh, and I'll, I'll confess, man, there's times where I've just kind of uh, looked around and, and thought, man, this is a lot. Um, my uh, wife, Eleanor, uh, spent uh, the first two weeks of this crisis just laying uh, in bed, uh, sick. Um, she's not a sick person. Uh, and of course, uh, multiple times we'd called the doctor and asked if she needed a test and, and wondered, you know, if she was effect- infected. And uh, by God's grace, she's not. She's got a really nasty uh, sinus congestion thing or something like that. But uh, uh, by God's grace, we trust that she's uh, on the mend. But yeah, all those things. Come on. Um, people are being furloughed and laid off from their jobs. There's bills that need to be paid. It's, it's, a, it's a tough time. But listen. In light of all of that, I've said it once, and I will say it to us again and again and again. Faith in God will always prevail over our fears. For those of us who follow Christ, I want us to be, always remember this. Fear is just empty calories. Uh, we chew on the things that we worry about and they bring nothing to our lives. Now, we need to remember that we're the ones blessed to be fed by a faith in Jesus. This Jesus who at the cross saved those of us who have surrendered our lives to him, who uh, through his death has delivered us from the penalty of our sin for all time. But his saving work doesn't stop there. It doesn't just end with the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus is our constant savior. He has granted us his abiding presence to continually save us from both the real and imagined dangers in our lives. Oh, praise be to the one who will forever free us from behind the locked doors of our fears in life. He does all the freeing, and our part is simply this, to trust that he can and eventually will free us according to his will in his time for his glory and our good. So, this is what we've learned so far. People without Jesus, they're lost in darkness. And people without Jesus, man, they are so prone to being trapped in their fears. That's the bad news that I had to give you today. But can I give you the good news now? (laughs) Are we ready for the good part of these verses? Well, here it is. In the midst of the disciples' darkness as they wrestle with their fears, Jesus just appears. No knock at the door, no leaning over into the uh, video doorbell that we have these days. Uh, He didn't even uh, text them with a message to let them know that he was stopping by. He just shows. Read that verse again one more time with me. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood among them, and he says these words, peace be with you. Now, I I just love this. It it is such a shepherdy thing. I don't know if that's a word, shepherdy, but it's such a shepherdy thing for Jesus to do. 
just three days ago. He's dying on a cross, paying the ultimate price to win the ultimate victory and provide for us, his sheep, this perfect pasture so that we might follow after him. But now, here he is, the good shepherd, out looking for his sheep who are lost in darkness and fear. When they couldn't see past those fears, he just shows up and utters a familiar phrase, peace be with you. Uh, there's these things in scripture, theological term is theophany. It's an appearance of God himself. And, and almost always, whether uh, God shows up personally or he sends a messenger, um, this is a phrase, this phrase that gets uttered in his appearances. Peace be with you. It's usually to kind of calm down those who are being visited. They start freaking out immediately. You would too if an angel showed up in your room, okay? Uh, but, but Jesus says, peace be with you, for that purpose. And Luke, we, we, we understand that the disciples uh, saw Jesus and thought they were seeing a ghost. He's, he was trying to calm them down. But he, it, it's so much more than that. In all of the uh, experiences in Scripture that describe these theophanies, these appearances of God, and this phrase is uttered, peace be with you, um, the Hebrew word shalom would have been used. Jesus invariably said this to his Jewish friends, uh, and, and we translate that word shalom in our English Bibles as peace. Now, shalom is, is a far weightier word uh, than our English word peace. It signifies way more than what we would usually associate with this idea of peace. It, it's not just the absence of fear or conflict. Shalom, it, it's way more. It's the state of being where one experiences all that can possibly be had in the grace of God. It's the best of the best. And so when Jesus sees his disciples and he says to them, Shalom, uh, he is uh, doing so in such a way uh, that they understand that they have received the truest of Shaloms for the first time ever to anyone. Uh, a peace has been conferred uh, that was won for them, secured for them in his sacrifice uh, provided for him or for them uh, by his giving himself in their place. It was a grace that would forever seal them in his spirit uh, because he had revealed himself to him in this moment. Uh, they, they could receive this, this shalom, this peace. It was only theirs to believe. And so, so that they could believe, he actually invites them to come and check him out. Look what it says in verse 20, the second verse that I'm going to talk to you about today. It says, when he had said this, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, when the fellows had seen his scars and the evidence of his death, they knew that this was all for real. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't just some spirit, some, some hologram, some projection on their wall. He was, he was actually Jesus in the flesh, physically come back to life. And because he had conquered the grave someday soon, because of their faith in him, they would conquer the grave as well. Everything was going to be okay. Let me cover real quick that last sentence there. The English translation is a little bit subdued, subdued here uh, for what the fellows were actually feeling. Um, they were way past glad upon realizing uh, who they were seeing in that room. It might be re better read like this. Uh, the disciples whooped it up pretty good. They went all Ric Flair. Woo! Good luck with that in the taping of this. Anyway, uh, but they were so excited to see Jesus, and they had a right to be. 
for it was only moments earlier that they were profoundly lost in their darkness. Uh, but now Jesus had found them. They had been so blind to what had really happened at the cross. But now, finally, they could see. So, I want to close with this today. I want to ask you this question. What's going on in the room that represents your life today? You know, if, if we kind of look at our lives as this room that the disciples were in, we, we have this, this, this choice. We can either inhabit that room uh, lost in our darkness, uh, racked by our fears, uh, or by his grace, uh, we can invite Jesus into our lives. We can see him. He's already there. Uh, he's not waiting for an invitation. He, he is with you right now on that couch that you're sitting on as you watch this. He's, he's with you as you go through your days. He is with you. It's our choice then to see him, to receive from him the light that he has uh, purposed to be for us, uh, to, to receive from him the peace that only he can give. So I'm asking you this morning, maybe you're... Um, someone who's just tuning in for the first time as a favor to a friend, you've got nothing else going on and so you're listening to me preach. Here's, here's what I've been praying. I've been praying that as, as we've gone through the last two or three weeks, as our world has experienced what it's experiencing right now, uh, that God would use this time in our lives uh, to shake loose maybe some of the things that we've been holding on to that are keeping us from him. Um, that if, if you're watching this and you don't yet know him, that, that he would use this time, allow this time to, to be the catalyst in you understanding your desperate need for him. If you are without Christ, you are lost in darkness, unforgiven, guilty of your sin. But here's the good news. Today, right now, sitting wherever you are, you can receive by faith what Christ won for you in his victory on the cross. You just have to do these things. You just have to admit uh, that you have a need for a Savior, to understand that Jesus is that Savior, to, to believe that he has done what the Bible says he has done. He has died so that you might be free. And then you, you commit yourself to him. You, you commit yourself to being a follower of him. You surrender your life to him and to the things that he teaches. And the Bible says that in your belief and in your confession of what you believe, you are saved. And that's the best news. If you don't get anything else of what I've said today, that, that, that's the news I hope you get, that you can be uh, freed, um, given life anew, uh, no longer be lost in your darkness through your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I know a lot of us are gathered here this morning, and uh, we are already uh, recipients of the grace that we can receive in Jesus Christ. Now, here's my hope for us. Uh, I hope that as we move forward in life, through this season and all seasons, uh, we would revel in the fact that we have been uh, taken from the darkness of a life without Christ into a, a life where his light shines. And I pray that we'd follow him. I pray that as, 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 as things arise in the days to come that would make us anxious or cause us uh, to, to fail to believe that our faith would be strong and that God uh, would hold us up uh, in the joy that we have in Christ. So, what's going on in your room? I pray that Christ is there, that he's bringing you peace, and that you're glad. 
you know, I, I think we have a, an opportunity here as we close our service to make much of him. So I'm going to ask you, even as, as weird as it may seem, to stand in wherever, whatever room you're, you're hanging out in, if you're by yourself or with your family, just stand. And let's sing the praises of our resurrected king who by his grace and through his power can resurrect us from a life without him to a life with him forevermore.